Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. I've been battling allergies for years now. Let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available release sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I never thought I'd be an entrepreneur, frankly. Like my background is like I got a undergrad degree. I'm a double major in uh, Catholic theology and Judaism. Go figure. Got my master's in early Roman Empire propaganda. Went to New College Oxford and did a, a literature program there. So it's like I've been like the ultimate kind of nerd. And uh, 2012, I actually ended up um, teaching high school. I did that for, for two years. And I don't know if you ever had this happen to you in your life, Darius. I looked at it and I'm like, is this my dream or is this someone else's? Like what I'm actually doing right now. And I looked at it and I'm like, I don't think this is my dream. I don't think this is what I want to do. What's up, gang? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazdeh. I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now, listen, The Greatness Machine, we're about two things. Number one, people who are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world and doing both of these things despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews with game changers, business leaders, you know, telling us their origin stories, what made them tick, what got them to where they are now. Why? So it can help you step into your greatness within your life, your business, and your career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years of entrepreneurship as a CEO and founder to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation, and I'm stoked to have you here with me. Guys, welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazde, and boy, do we have a special guest today. My main man, Jeremy Slate, is in the house. What's up, brother? Hey, thanks for having me, man. I'm, I'm stoked to be here. Jeremy Slate is the creator of the Create Your Own Life podcast, a show that I was on with him. He studies the world's top performers, man. You have some really cool um, you know, people on your show, and we'll talk about some of the people you've gotten on there. I'd love to hear you know, how you've made that happen, because I, I think you really bring some great guests on your show. Um, you know, Jeremy specializes in using podcasts and new media to create celebrity and has been ranked the number one in iTunes new category and number 78 in iTunes top 100, which is like nearly impossible to do. Eek uh, Magazine named you one of the top podcasts, number one podcast to listen to actually in 2019 and Forbes na- named you uh, one of the top influencers. And after having success, you and your wife, Brielle, founded the Command Your Brand to help printers get their message out by appearing as guests on podcasts. So you're all in on podcasts, man. And we're going to be talking today about your new book coming out on June 21st, uh, entitled Unremarkable to Extraordinary. So man, I'm so excited to have you here. Um, brother, thank you for coming. Hey, dude, I'm, I'm stoked. Like I, I, 
you know, I, I've been checking out your content for a really long time. I know we had the interview as well. And, and I got to say, man, that the thing, the thing I love most about what you do is all the karaoke videos you put up, like of, of you and guests. Like those are some of the coolest things I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's funny. Yeah. I, 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 um, I've been testing the show without karaoke. <laughs> I was wondering if I was going to like have to have something ready for today. Like, like have my best Justin Timberlake or something like I, I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so about two months ago, one of my mentors called me up and he's like, you know, and he's a good in his seventies and he's a really smart guy. And, and I, I'm not going to lie before that. I was thinking about reconsidering doing, doing it because uh, like, I actually like doing it. I love singing to guests is fun because they're like, it's different and it's a little weird and it kind of breaks the ice. Um, but he's like, Hey Darius, you know, um, you know, do you consider yourself a serious person? <laughs> Now, dude, he's in his seventies, right? So, like, yeah. he comes from a world where, dude, like, singing on public <clears throat> people you don't know is probably pretty weird, right? So, I mean, it's still weird, probably in this world, but, um, um, but you know, and I said, yeah, I said, you know, I just, want, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned people aren't going to take you seriously, and and I said, oh, well, that's an interesting perspective, and 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 so I said, you know, I'm going to toy around doing the show without without a little karaoke, but uh, yeah, it's. It's kind of funny, man. When, when you know, I was saying the, you know, do you know who Chip Conley is? I've read his books. I don't know him personally, though. Yeah, he wrote a book. He wrote a really famous book called Peak, and he he's uh, he was um, Brian Chesky's direct advisor from Airbnb. So he was basically like the mentor for the CEO of Airbnb, and um, and he had a really famous hotel brand called Joie de Vie Hotels in California. It was the largest boutique hotel firm in in the in the entire North America. Um, so he's really a successful guy. And so I, I'm singing karaoke and I look up and he's like checking his text. Oh no. <laughs> and I was like, and it was like early on when I was doing the show and I was like, Oh, that's pretty funny, man. Um, yeah. no man. What's, what's life without a little insouciance though? Come on now. Exactly. Exactly. Dude. Um, <laughs> um, so man, you know, I'd love to take a step back, um, uh, and you know, educate the audience on your origin story. A big part of greatness machine is, how do people get to, you know, the whole thing is, is people are living their passions to create greatness in the world, despite the odds, right? Like it's hard, yeah. you know, we live in a world that beats you down when you try to stand out, right? And it's, it, it's one of these places where it's like, it's hard to do what you want to do on your own terms. And so I do think there's an element of like taking risk and getting after it, especially as an entrepreneur. Now, by the, the inverse of that is we are also in a world where there's a, the biggest opportunity to ever do that, you know, but it still takes that that, you know, getting after it mentality. Like, I'd love to hear your origin story. Like, do you mind kind of take us back to the beginning? Yeah, it's, it's, I never thought I'd be an entrepreneur, frankly. Like my, my background is like, I, I got a undergrad degree. I'm a double major in uh, Catholic theology and Judaism. Go figure. Um, oh. I got my, got my master's in early Roman empire propaganda, which let me tell you, that's, that's really fun. Like kind of looking at the world now through the, through the eyes of knowing how uh, emperors convinced people they were God. That was fun. Um, and then I, I went to New College Oxford and did a, a literature program there. So it's like I've been like the ultimate kind of nerd. And uh, I, I really didn't see myself being in the entrepreneur world. Um, from there in um, 2012, I actually ended up um, teaching high school. Wow. I was teaching high school right out of school because in 2011, it was like a really rough economy. And like, which is funny because you look at now's economy and it's, it's, it's rougher. Um, but you know, it was a rough economy at that point in time. So I couldn't get a job, man. Cause I had a master's degree. So I'm overqualified for everything that's entry yeah. level. And then I'm underqualified for, you know, the PhD level stuff that I wanted to get into is so that my original goal was to be a college professor. 
so I'm teaching high school for a couple of years and, um, it was rough, man, because I, I've always looked like I'm 12. So I'm like trying to teach high school kids and I look like I'm in the same grade as them. So it was just kind of rough and I wasn't used to smartphones or anything like that. So my whole day was them trying to like get me angry and then put me on YouTube since YouTube was getting big at that point in time. So like, I just get home and I'm like, wait, 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 I can't. Wait, wait these little fuckers are videotaping you and putting it on YouTube. They were trying to see how red they could get my face or how angry they could get me. And I, I got loud a couple of times. I'll be honest with you, man. And like, they would try to see how far they can push you and then get it on video every day. But how old were these kids? Sophomores, which that's where they're not scared enough to be freshmen yet, but they're not juniors where they have to take life seriously yet. Oh, <laughs> it was funny. Like when I, when I, you just reminded me when I was probably, I was probably freshman, sophomore. And I mean, I mean, look, none of that's new. Just the way you piss your teachers off is different, right? Yes. So, so I'm like, oh, I'm like, yeah, we used to piss, try to, I mean, I, I, mean, I think we used to remember making our teachers cry, you know, but, but, but as a guy, is it like, I, I'm, I went to high school. How old are you? You're in your thirties, right? I'll be 35 uh, next month, actually. Yeah. So I'm a little, you know, I'm, I'm about, I'll be 44 next month. So I'm, I'm, I'm like about that nine, 10 years older than you. So I was in high school in the nineties. You were, you were in high school in the, in like the early aughts. Right. And, and, um, dude, I mean, in the nineties, like, dude, I wasn't, I mean, I started high school in 1992. That means like the people, like, like I was in elementary school in the late eighties. So, you know, like it was not unusual for like corporal punishment was not that far removed from my high school experience. So like it's we a had Catholic a, grammar school, man, there was still corporal punishment, even though there shouldn't have been. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, but like when I was in high school, dude, like you would, they would uh, like our teachers would make us do like wall sits and shit. If we like, I mean like they would like, was our, our basketball teacher would be one of oh. our teachers. Right. My wrestling coach used to make us do these things called, and he was our math teacher too. So he'd get mad at me. Um, but he used to make us do these things called walrus crawls. So it was like you do an army crawl across the parking lot and it would like destroy your knees. Yeah, which is insane, right? Because it's like, you're like, that's asphalt and this is my skin. <laughs> so yeah, I know what a walrus crawl is like up on your hands. Yes. Right? Yeah. But your feet are like kind of like, like dragging flat, behind right? you. Yep. So, so uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, so it's like the kids these days, you can't, dude, you can't even give a kid a bad grade anymore or else their parents screw you up. Well, that was the weirdest part. So the, the school I was teaching at, they um, did this whole like survey and they found out that grades were like really bad for kids' self-esteem. So they got rid of them. So we just had like letters and they had like a number value for grades and kids could realize that they, you know, because like an F was weighted like a, like a one, they could fail just about everything, pass by one, you know, one with a D on one grade and then pass for the semester. It was just anarchy, man. Yeah, you, you, it's like, uh, well, I, and w w we can talk about wokeism later on in the show, but it's kind of this like w woke behavior, right? That that's that's probably that's like like, and I'm kind of tolerant of some wokeism, but like like I can't give your kid the grade they earned. Well, that that type of shit. I'm like, I'm like, no, like like your kid needs to know that if they work hard, good things happen to them, and if they don't work hard. They got shit they got to deal with. Like well, and, and there's 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 winners and losers in life too. You know what I mean? And it's that's you, you you sometimes lose by the hopes that you don't do it again, and you learn something from it. Like, and I think if we take that away from people, that's that's dangerous, man. Because you, if you don't learn, you don't learn from failure. You're always going to fail. Then, yeah, it, it there has to be. And look, there's no perfect system. I'm sure that no, absolutely not. To, there's ways to grade in a more like 
probably a, a better way than when we were in school, right? But but so so these little kids are trying to piss you off. Yes. You're, you're back to you know, I'm a, I, I like to go down a lot of rabbit holes, you know, when I, when I hear shit. <laughs> on the show. So, so these kids are are like trying to piss you off to put you on social, which is fucking insanity. To me. Yes. Like, I would every single like, day I would like, get home and I'd be like, could, could you break their phones? Would that be would you get fired for that? Well, they weren't even supposed to have phones, but they were really good at like quickly getting rid of them, hiding them, putting them in other places like it was like. It was intense, man. And, and, the, and the thing was, too, is this was a really good athletic school. So, like, I couldn't even punish them either because if they were an athlete, they were just going to play. Like, I had this girl that was, like, six foot seven. I've never seen a taller woman in my entire life. I, I, she, they were supposed to do a paper for, like, a large part of their grade. And she didn't do anything. So, like, I actually had to write a paper and put her name on it to fail her. So, she gets up in front of the whole class. And I'm five seven, man. So, I'm a freaking midget. So... She crumples this paper up, flicks it in my face and goes, fuck you, man. Right in front of the whole school and uh, or in the whole class. Nothing happened. I sent her the principal. They sent her back. So oh, I'm just yeah. like, what, what am I supposed to do? Yeah, I'd be like, yeah, well, I guess you probably did the right thing. You <laughs> Yes. You're like, yeah, fuck this. But, <laughs> but, but this really does speak to this huge issue, um, you know, around leading indicators for the demise of an empire, which is. How are people being educated? Right. Yes. And like, dude, when I was in high school, I don't give a shit if you're the most, if you're like, I used to get special treatment because I was an athlete and I was a student leader. I mean, dude, I got the specialist treatment you could get. Like, I wouldn't go to class for the whole semester. I get a B. Right. And, and I would never in my wildest dreams like think to disrespect a teacher because there was a repercussion of expulsion that would happen. Mm -hmm. Regard, I'm telling you, I was one of the best wrestlers in the state of California and they would, they would expel me. Well, I know they would. They didn't care. Public school, yeah. right? So, yeah, I, I think that there's this, you know, and and look, there's probably examples all throughout time of people athletes getting special treatment. So I don't think that that's necessarily confined to you know the you know, ten years ago. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that the, we we live in a world right now. I have a friend who's a professor in New York City, and she's like, I can't give these kids bad grades. Like, I'm not allowed to. Like. Like if I flunk them, like I have to go deal with my administration. So, so I'm like, fuck it. I'll just give them like, you know, I'll, I'll give them a C, you know, not to deal. But you know what the wild part about that is, man, is then they get out of school with a liberal arts degree, um, which doesn't really qualify anybody to do anything. Like, like even me having a history degree, there's not much I can do with that. And I think that the problem is, is we're churning out a lot of kids that, that don't have abilities. Like, frankly, the biggest thing missing in society now is, is trade schools and, and people that, that do apprenticeships for a period of time. because. Dude, I know some plumbers that make bank right out of trade school because there's there's a demand for it and you could do a business doing it. Oh yeah, dude, you want to crush it? Go, go cut concrete or 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 lay <laughs> HVAC. Seriously, like the, yeah, like the, the the trade schools are highly neglected, and now there's such a shortage of this trade school talent that you can't build it fast enough. So here's the here's the real kicker. I mean, and if you're an Andrew Yang lover, which I'm not necessarily, but that there's certain aspects of what he says that hold true, dude, they're like technology is just building tech, like literally like AI to fix these problems. Mm-hmm. So like, you're not going to need humans, right? He, he's an interesting guy too. He's on the list of people I actually really, really want to interview. I listened to an interview he did, um, with, uh, with Glenn Beck not long ago and, um, I, I am not a big believer in universal basic income because I think it's going to kind of be a race to the bottom there. But here's the thing, the, the spin he has on it that I did not realize is all these tech companies are using our data all the time. 
So he looks at it as a licensing fee. Like basically tech companies would be paying you like a monthly, you know, for using all of your data or you could decide not to use your data. He, he's an interesting guy and I, I don't agree with him on a lot of things, but he's a very smart guy. Yeah, yeah. I probably lean more left than you do, but I still am like, oh, like this does not seem like a great solution. Like giving people money and then living a life without purpose seems like that doesn't solve a problem. Mm -hmm. That's how like you got a ton of people who have their basic needs covered that have no purpose in their life. Uh, That's scary to me. Yeah, that's like I don't even know what the social ramifications of that are. You know, that that's like uh, like that doesn't solve the problem. That solves the problem of them being able to feed themselves. Though that does not solve the problem of what do you do with all those people? And that's where uh, it's like. Can you know his, some of his utopic ideas around? Well, can this become the greatest period of of creation ever? Maybe, but not if these kids aren't have zero critical thinking skills or education. You know, I'm fearful for some of that stuff. Um, I'd love I'd love to kind of make a hard hard left though. Going back to to your story, yeah. hard left <laughs> back to you. Yeah, um, you know the thing that stinks, man, is you like rabbit holes and so do I. So I'll chase you whatever rabbit hole you go in. <laughs> I know we can talk about so much stuff because we have we have pretty strong opinions about a lot of the stuff that's happening in our world. But what um so shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. Hey there, friends. It's Darius from Shazda here, and I have a little confession to make. You see, I've been battling allergies for years now. And let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Allergies have been my constant companion. They stopped me from fully enjoying the little things in life, from canceling plans with friends because of sudden allergy attack to missing out on an outdoor activity because of the sneezing fits. Allergies have been a real nuisance. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing and a runny nose, itchy watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I've been a Claritin D user for many, many years now. And let me tell you, it's made a world of difference. Since I started using Claritin D, my symptoms have improved dramatically. Now I can breathe easier, enjoy outdoor activities without worrying about sneezing fits and truly live my life without being held back by allergies. Ready to live as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter now. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear, uses directed. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and Supply & Demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. We're talking from launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the, did we hit a million-dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through. But then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. 
You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius, all lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Darius. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. So how did you tr- jump from, uh, you know, being a five foot seven teacher dealing with a six foot seven student who's a pain in your ass to, you know, becoming an entrepreneur? Well, I, I did that for, for two years. And, um, you know, it was actually, you know, a really difficult situation that happened. My, my mom had a stroke in, in 2012. Um, and she's, you know, she's luckily still with us, but she's very, very disabled at this point in time. So it kind of changed, um, you know, my viewpoint on life. You know, my dad needed a lot more help since I'm an only child. So it was, it was a big life shift. And it made me look at a lot of what I'm doing. And, and here's the weird thing I realized. And I don't know if you ever had this happen to you in your life, Darius. I looked at it and I'm like, is this my dream or is this someone else's? Like what I'm actually doing right now. And I looked at it and I'm like, I don't think this is my dream. I don't think this is what I want to do. And my wife was presented with a network marketing opportunity. I didn't know what that was. So I thought I was going to be like a gazillionaire rolling in G5s in like a week. And uh, all I did was make a lot of people hate me. And uh, I, I actually called the principal and I'm like, I've got a new business. I quit. So oh, I had no whoa. income and I quit to go full-time in network marketing. Whoa. Insanity, man. Wow. What, what, what was the network marketing product that you guys Market did? America. We sell everything. <laughs> is, that, is that like the Am, Amway of today? Is that, well, they, is that... they, not even just Amway, like websites, health, like, like they'll, they work with doctors, all everything. So it was like difficult because like every person you meet, you're like, you're looking for something wrong with their life and be like, I have everything yeah. you could have some <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah what's your differentiating value prop we sell i'm the amazon of of network marketing and then some yes uh, yeah wow okay so so yeah so how long did it take before you guys bought your g5 never bought a g5 now here's the crazy part though like like i'm i i think it was part of the, one of the best like learning experiences i had and like how to start a business with no skills whatsoever because dude i was a bookworm like i didn't know how to do anything so I made some decent money and I actually, you know, paid my bills for two years doing it. Um, uh, oh, because you were, you were a good salesperson, maybe? I, I wasn't at first. I learned how to be. That was, that was the biggest thing is I learned how to sell and I learned how to present from not knowing anything because I was like, well, shit, this is, how, this, we're here. Now I got to figure out what to do with this because I just burned the bridge. You know, nobody else is going to hire me after the way I just quit. So, yeah. so I had to figure out what to do. I did that for two years and eventually I just didn't like the person I was like doing that. Cause it was, you get weird, man. You really do like trying to find new people because that's kind of the thing. So I, I did that for two years and I actually went into selling life insurance, okay. which I was really good at. 
but I hated those uncomfortable conversations about death every single day. I got depressed pretty quickly from it. And uh, the, kind of the final straw was I was like, all right, well, I can sell products on Amazon. So we went to China. Uh, we, we learned how you like source products, do all this kind of stuff. We had some meetings and we started buying products from China and selling them on Amazon. Um, but one of the things you do when you first start is you sell your product for a dollar. Um, but if you're me, you forget to uncheck the box that says put my promo code on my listing. Um, which means I lost all of my products for like $250 in about 10 minutes. So I was out of business. Wait, 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 wait. I, I'm not, I'm not well-versed in this, but yeah, basically yeah. you. So by default, it checks the box when you make a promo code and it puts it on your listing by default that says, oh, you can get this product for a dollar. So some really smart person is like, look at this idiot. I can get everything they have for a dollar. Whoa. So <laughs> you can't like undo it and say, sorry, this was a mistake and I'm not selling it to you. Not once it's done because it's Amazon. You're just, you're just a third party vendor. So you have to be smart enough to not be stupid in the first place. <laughs> oh, no way, man. But like the, they're kind of screwing. Why do they auto check that? That kind of screws their sellers. I don't know, to be honest. I, I think they expect most people to not be selling it for a dollar to get a bunch of things sold for a really cheap rate because they don't want you doing it that way anyway. So I, yeah. I think that's kind of the issue. So I was out of business there very, very quickly. So I learned how to build websites from watching YouTube videos and, and things like that. So I actually was working at a friend's marketing firm, making pretty decent money um, and started this podcast, the Create Your Own Life Show, just as a hobby back in 2016 or 2015, sorry. And it took off, man. We saw 10,000 listens in our first month. Uh, we had a lot of people start asking us for help. So we started an agency to, to help people, you know, get on podcasts as guests. And it, it's been pretty cool since we've got a team of 18 now. And, uh, you know, we've put people on thousands of podcasts and, um, you know, it's pretty cool to be a part of the, the new world of media. What? So let, let's talk about this because I've now had my podcast for, it'll be a year last month. Mm-hmm. I think my first month I had like four or 5,000 downloads and then, and then it like dropped off like dramatically. It went from like, mm-hmm. cause I, I mean, I pushed it. I was top 100 in, in business on iTunes and I was top 10 in entrepreneurship. So I had a great launch, right? And you know, yeah. Jay, Jay, Jay's, Jay's good at podcast launch. Mm-hmm. Jay, Jay Wong, if you're listening, like I'm promoting you right now. <laughs> so he does, he does a good job on that. Right. But it's a big effort, right? Yes. And, and so then it drops off and, go, and drops down to like, I think like, 2000 downloads a month. Right. And then I doubled up my shows and, and got it up to like four or 5,000 downloads a month. Right. I think I got it back up to like, remember, it's like three or 4,000. And now, uh, now that I'm doing media buying, it's a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I look at this game of building my, a podcast or building and, 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 you know, and, you know, I, I interviewed Jordan Harbinger a, a while ago and I said, how do you build your show? And he's like, you got to spend money. <laughs> You know, and, and I think, and, and I asked John Lee Dumas the same question. I said, Hey, if you were to start, you know, the entrepreneurs on fire podcast now, like, and you wanted to turn it into what it is today. Like he's like, I wouldn't be able to. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that's goes, exactly been my experience. So, yeah. I, so that's where, you know, someone like myself who started their podcast in 2021, who's trying to build a show right now. Like, 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 what are your thoughts on that? I mean, if you, you, you had good success and it's worked for you and these guys had good success and it worked for them, but like, what, what are your thoughts on, on this? Because I look at this and I'm like, this is kind of like a black box. Like you got to either spend money to like get people to listen to, to, to get in front of people advertising the show, you know, putting it on third party platforms. Um, I I've, I've 
I, Halataha, who's a friend of ours, uh, you know, she does a lot of, she's, I work with her agency and she does good work. And, and, you know, like they all have kind of the same perspective, which is if you want to build a show, you got to spend money to promote it until you can mm-hmm. build enough subscribers to support it with advertising. But what are your Correct. thoughts on this? So when I started in 2015, there were 240,000 podcasts out there and there's like 3.5 million now. So like <clears throat> it's grown so substantially it is substantially harder to get found not being anybody. And when I started, um, you know, we, like I said, we had 10,000 listens in our first month. I reached out to every single person on my phone via text message. I had built a small email list, with, I think five or 600 people on us. I reached out to all those people, sent 3,000 individual LinkedIn messages, 500 Facebook messages. So I did whatever I could because I knew the number one thing I had to do was win the subscribe. And by doing that, um, we were able to actually hit the new and noteworthy there in Apple Podcasts, which at that point was iTunes. And when it's different now, but at that time, when you hit new and noteworthy, you stuck there for eight weeks of free promotion. Oh, So we really scored early on, and, and it was a big driver to those 10,000 listens in the first month. Of I was nobody, man. I had no social media. I had nothing. So at that point in time, that's how I was able to stick it. Now, the thing that's different now is there's so many people to stand out from, and, and there's, so, there's so many podcasts out there. The, di- the difference is, as you mentioned, you've got to have a paid strategy. Um, you know, we've been doing a lot with YouTube recently to try and, uh, you know, start growing more over there. Um, and we've been spending quite a bit of money on YouTube. Um, but also going on other shows as a guest is a really, really, really important way to do it as well, in addition to media buying. Because you need to reach out to people that already listen to podcasts. That's, I think that's one of the ways people really go wrong, is they try and promote their, their podcasts to people that don't listen to them, you know, in an ad strategy or whatever it is. Like it makes sense to buy spots on other podcasts where people hear about you or go on other podcasts as a guest. But to me, yeah, you're, you're kind of at a point where you got to spend some money to get out there, man. The space has changed a lot and you got to kind of rise above the noise. And the only way to do that costs money right now. Yeah. And, and that's, that's where I'm, I'm kind of, I, I, I started thinking about it and this is goes for anyone that has a podcast. It's like, yeah, to your point go where podcast listeners are. So, so you can advertise on other people's podcasts. That's so advertising your show that way. Do you have any thoughts around like, what are your thoughts on TikTok? Because I I know that there's, that that seems like, I mean, there's only really two platforms you can get organic lift right now. LinkedIn's one of them and TikTok's the other that are true platforms that are big platforms. What what are your thoughts on maybe trying to leverage um, either of those platforms? I don't have TikTok. Um, Like, I don't know. Like, I, okay, you're going to think I'm crazy. I'm afraid of the Chinese Communist Party. and I don't want them in my phone. That's why I'm not on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Listen, man, I'm on, I don't think you're crazy. I'm on, a, I'm on a signal group with like a ton of like pretty well-known people. Mm-hmm. And, and they're all like, they're all afraid. Wait, I can't even get, I don't even want to say what the, the stuff I get to read. But no, I no, I get it. Of, I get it. I get a lot of like propaganda stuff that's like, you know, I, I don't even know what to call it because I was going to say it's like it seems like there's a threat of conservative behavior around it, mm-hmm. but it's around like food shortage and like privacy rights and 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 there's this there's a there's a mindset that is very fearful of all those things. One of which, to your point, is like there like I have a buddy that won't take pictures. Who's an awesome person? He will not take a picture of a QR code. What? Yeah, because he's like they get full access to your phone. Like if like a QR what? code does? Yeah, I guess so. That's what he told me. Because he- I had no idea. I I just know like if you read the terms of service of like of uh, 
of TikTok, like they get access to all files in your phone is what you're granting them access to. Like it's just, you just got to read the TOS, man. Yeah. Which, which, I, which, uh, yeah. And, and I, I'm, I'm on TikTok, but I don't, I'm not using it. So yeah. The, hey, TikTok, if you're listening, like, like there ain't shit on my phone. That's interesting. So, uh, so, you know, like, like, I guess I, but I hear it to your point. It's like, Hey, this is a, uh, the Chinese, you know, government essentially controls their, their, uh, you know, has ultimate control at the yeah. end of the day, they have ultimate control because of the way their government set up of mm-hmm. their, of their companies. Right. Um, so, what, so yeah. I actually win a lot personally on Twitter, believe it or not, which is the one that people say, Oh, you know, Twitter's a cesspool. I don't like for a lot of the, the content I'm talking about and discussing with people, like I get a lot of reach on Twitter, man. And like, I actually get a lot of my guests that way as well, because like I'm verified on Twitter. So you okay. get a second, you get a second timeline and stuff like that, where you can only see other verified people. So it's actually a really, really great contact tool too. So we actually get a ton of reach on Twitter. Hey gang, Darius Mashaza here. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. So listen, I know we have a lot of CEOs, entrepreneurs, and business owners out there that listen to the show. And right now, if you're one of those folks and you're doing, let's call it a bare minimum of seven figures and above in your business, then what I'd like to do is give you an offer right now. How would you like to get your hands on the frameworks that I actually used to scale my last company, which started off as a small little seven-figure company to over $100 million in annual revenue. And I did it in less than two years and I did it without costly growing pains, without the headaches that that you usually experience when you are scaling your business. So if you're one of those folks and you're trying to grow your company, but you're you're finding yourself stuck in that day-to-day, if you're one of the listeners and you're getting grinded, this is your respite from getting grinded on your business, you're listening to our show and you're dealing with the breakdowns, you're dealing with inefficiencies, and you know, you've got that firefighter suit on and all the problems lining on your desk and you're, you're not doing the work you're supposed to be doing, which is working on the business instead of in it, then what I'm about to talk to you about for the next call 60 seconds, this is precisely for you. Real quickly though, if you don't already know this about me, prior to starting The Greatness Machine, I spent 20 years of my life as a founder and CEO of real world companies. And during that time, I actually grew my companies to over $1.2 billion with a B in bootstrap revenue. In fact, uh, we scaled out my last company from 30 to 1,000 employees, and we did it in just 36 months. And we did it all by using a three-step framework that I call my scale map method. So that, of course, brings us to the purpose of this here mid-roll ad. Yes, this is what the podcast producers call these things. Recently, I created a 30-minute training, and what it does is it walks you step-by-step through all of my scale map method frameworks. And you can watch it right now for free when you go to DariusScale.com. That's my first name, Darius, scale, S-C-A-L-E.com. And what these frameworks do is they fix, they simplify, and they streamline every single aspect of your business. And they do it without the need for complicated scaling systems that are typically way too difficult and way too time-consuming for a busy CEO like you and from my, like myself was to implement. So if you want a simple and you want a proven path to remove yourself from the day-to-day operations, just like I did, so that you can do what you're supposed to be doing, which is leading your company to record growth without the headaches and without the growing pains, go to DariusScale.com. That's www.DariusScale.com. Watch the short video and I'll see you guys on the inside. Now, back to the show. So, so on Twitter, um, by the way, did you see the thing this morning with Elon Musk, like buying 9%? I'm very interested to see what, what happens with it. He bought 9.2%. Yeah. He spent like $2.89 billion. 
I was like, and I, I was like, does that give him rights from a, like, can he go in there and like, I, I'm wondering how that works from like a voting rights perspective to like influence board behavior. Can he actually kind of so, do what like Icon does, you know, Carl Icon does and become like a, what, what's it called when you're a, when you're going out against the board, you know what I'm talking about? No, I know, I know Carl, I don't know the word for it, but I know Carl Icon and there's another guy. What is the guy that went after um, that network marketing company, Herbal Life? Um, there's another guy that does that type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about, but it's a thing where you like advocate mm-hmm. on behalf of the, of the shareholders. Yes. And, and you, and if you own enough of the company, you can essentially like, like replace the CEO of you, right? Like if you could get the, if you get enough, there's a name for it though. It's activist. Oh, if you're like an activist shareholder, that's what it's called. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know exactly how it works because the articles I was reading this morning is, is like, well, it kind of just happened. So we don't know a ton about it right now. It seems to be a passive role. Um, I don't know how he gets an active role. I just don't understand enough about that world. But I think it'd be interesting to, to understand, uh, you know, what he's going to do with it. Yeah, a part of me, you know, and, and, I'm, and I'm not 100% in the camp of, I get it, right? It's like, hey, look, this is public domain because of how many people use the platform. So like, is there an inherent risk of not allowing unadulterated free speech theoretically yes there is and then the then the flip side of it is we have this these kids in your classroom from 10 years ago that that can barely read that if i put a tweet out they believe it without actually going and doing research right Mm -hmm. so we have this like lack of critical thinking to counterbalance the fact that free speech now can be put out in a way that it was even when our forefathers wrote it like if, if i said hey George Washington and James Madison or whomever, hey, there's going to be these platforms where a bunch of idiots get a look at it and whatever you say they believe. And it's mm-hmm. going to, and, and the, like, how, how would they have written those laws that way, right? Fundamentally, I agree with it. That, hey, like picking and choosing what people read, it has like, well, who's to say who's right, you know? It's such a, it's such a hard thing to do too. Cause like, you know, like, you know, like there should not be like child porn out there and things like that. Like that's dangerous. But like p- some people see it as free speech. That's not free speech, in my opinion. That's sick. But then you also have, I don't know, like, like to me, fact checking has been like the scariest thing, because if you read like some of these things on like, you know, Snopes, it'll say, um, you know, partially false. And they'll like point to something that had nothing to do with the point and say, oh, because of that, it makes the thing partially false. So it's just we're in a really weird era of the world i don't know how to describe it you, you know it's funny though going back to like your experience um in college of studying propaganda during the roman times like none of this is new this is no it's not like like the friction having friction in society there's a book what ray dalio's new book like changing world order is like we're in like the fifth you know we're if you look historically like this thing where you have internal conflict is not new. This happens mm-hmm. every 100, 150 years. Last time it happened, I mean, you can go back to Germany. This was happening in the 19, you know, right after World War One, right? That and like, how does a, a Adolf Hitler come to power? You know, in when a majority of the people in Germany didn't agree with his, uh, you know, ideological beliefs, and then full leverage of propaganda to divide and then like control the the populace, right? So it's it's interesting that I don't think this idea of leveraging fake news is new. Like no. the way we're doing it is different because of technology, but the idea of how we do it's that that's always been out there. Yeah, and and that's the interesting thing too. So like my masters, I, I explored how because Augustus Caesar was the first Roman emperor to convince people he was God. So I kind of looked at how he did it. 
Um, and Alexander the Great uh, was the model he used um, because w- number one, Alexander died young, which is important to making people think you're God. Um, number two, um, when he took over Egypt, he walked into the temple of Zeus Amon and when he conquered Egypt, he was the Pharaoh of Egypt. So Pharaoh of Egypt, you're called son of God. So he walks in, the Oracle says, greetings, son of God. He goes, I'm the son of God. So then he like kind of like lived his life like he was this divine being and other people started believing it because the Egyptians kind of that viewpoint helped a lot with that. And Augustus then looked at that and he goes, okay, so I got to create a lot of propaganda around that. And he figured out how to do it. And people then worshiped the Roman emperor for like 500 years after that. Who who is the there was a there was a Roman emperor that was like the man of the people that like gave up his title, moved out to the country, and then they asked him to come back. Do you know? No, so that? so he wasn't an emperor. So um, there's there's like a, a divide in in the Rome time period. There's the Roman Republic, and then there's the Roman Empire. The empire starts with Augustus. Augustus is the first part of the Roman Empire. Before that, it was a republic where people voted and everything. There were right, right. senators and consuls That's and things. Right, like there that. was no emperor. There was no emperor. That's right. Correct. And then historically, they were a monarchy. So before that, they were they were the the kingdom of Rome. Um, but there was this guy Cincinnatus, who the city of Cincinnati, is, is, yeah, yeah, the yeah. city of Cincinnati is based off of him. And they the Romans had realized that the only way you like really solve a problem is by giving somebody like dictatorial power for a short period of time. Right. So you'd have all the power for six months, and then after six months, you'd lose your power. He was the only dictator ever to lay down his power. All the other ones that declared themselves dictator were like. You know, I'm dictator. Well, it's for life now. He was the only one to actually like do it, solve a problem, and then go back to farming. Didn't his kids like take? Uh, well, didn't his one of his kids become an emperor? Isn't that this part of that story? No, because Cincinnati was like um, like hundreds of years before there was an emperor. Got it. Okay. Okay. So so I, I so there's these books that I'm reading with my kids for homeschooling that are all about like the history of the world. Mm. And so, and I really, which are amazing. They're like the best books and you could read them. They're built for homeschooling. Oh, cool. And I referred me to it. I'll, I'll get them and I'll, I'll put them in the show notes, but there's like five of them and they're like 500 pages each. And they start like literally in the beginning of like nomadic times, right? Like way before the Roman empire. And then, it, and I, I think right now we're in like the dark ages, like we we're in book two and, and we just got to like the dark ages. But it's, we're, we're actually to right when, um, like we actually, I was just reading it to my son the other night and we we're learning about, uh, uh, the founding of, of Muslimism or Islam. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but it goes through all these things. Then they cherry pick. I got pissed because I, I'm Persian. Right. So, so my, my family is from, you know, my name is Darius after Darius the great, mm-hmm. right. Who ruled the Persian empire. So they're talking about the Persian empire. They totally skip Darius the great. They go from Cyprus, Cyrus and Xerxes, and they don't talk about Darius the Great at all. And I was like, how do you talk about the Persian Empire and not talk about Darius the Great? Do they at I, least talk about Darius the Third or no? I think they talk about him losing. <laughs> like, they talk about, the, who was it, the, the Spartans or like... The, the, no, it was Alexander beat, beat Darius yeah, yeah, the, sorry, the, the Yeah, Alexander yeah. the Great kicked his ass. They talk about that, right? But I'm like, well, what about the 300 years before this? <laughs> like, why are we talking about the, the loss of my namesake, right? Um, but I do like, and, and there's so much information. It's really a cool thing. I'll, I'll, I'll get the name of the book, but um, it's a cool thing to read to kids. And and I have an eight year old, and we've been reading them for like two years. We just oh, cool. work through them. The cool thing about these books is, as you read them, every four years, your kids can read them again, and they get something out of them different. Um, but yeah, the Cincinnati was uh, that was. I was like, I like that guy. That guy, I I can I relate to that guy, like the servant leader type of guy, you know. 
So, and, well, because he was he's supposed to be the example of like absolute power, not corrupting. Like he he did it, handled his problem, put the power down, and then kind of went back to work. But you know, it, it's there. There's it's never happened before. You know, uh, Sulla in I think fifty four declares himself dictator for life, conquers Rome, dictator for life. Julius Caesar, dictator for life. Every Roman emperor, dictator for life. Like they don't lay it down. So he's just supposed to be the guy that's like didn't do it. Right. So pow- to, to your point, power corrupts, and and um. I love, you know, the, to kind of, again, make a hard right turn this time, you know, like, <laughs> so, you know, you, you have your podcast and you've, man, yeah. you've had some pretty powerful and interesting people on the show, you know, uh, do you mind kind of naming like your who's who list of guests on your show? Yeah. Um, I've had uh former CIA director, David Petraeus on, I've had a uh, four time Indy 500 champion, Elio Castro Neves. Um, trying to think of who else would be like recognizable. I've had a uh, former New York Yankee, Nick Swisher. Uh, Johnny Damon, um, had a lot of cool people, man. I've, 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 we're almost on a thousand episodes and it's, it's been a, a very, very cool experience. So, so you, you've talked to some powerful people, you know, and, and, and again, we started the show kind of, you know, we, we've been kind of like talking about, you know, lightly about our, our, from our own political mind worldviews, right. It's light, lightly. We haven't gone, we haven't gone deep on that, but yeah, but, you know, like you're, you're, you're interviewing these, these powerful people, this idea that, you know, we're in a, we're in a world that power corrupts. What, what are some things, what are some big things you've learned? And, and, you know, this is, you know, you know, I, I'm segueing this cause I want to talk about your book in a second, but what are some big things you've learned from interviewing these like people that are like, you know, in some cases world beaters, right. That they've done, they've done these amazing things that, that you should not be able to do. I'm reading um, black Swan right now, right. By um, Nassim Taleb. And it's like, those a guy winning the any 500 is a black Swan event. Mm-hmm. Like the, the odds of winning that, it four like, times though too yeah winning it four times even more of a black swan event right mm-hmm. like becoming a cia director that is a, a black swan event like like the, the odds of a human being rising to that who has that goal is like almost like like basically infinitesimally zero mm-hmm. right so yeah like but now they get they get that you know they've created a trust with the public or with in the world that they're in that they are the best at what they do and with that comes power and with that comes responsibility. What are some things you've learned, learned through those experiences? You know, it's funny. I feel like we've been talking about a lot of it all the way through of it. Cause I don't know if it's um, that I've learned a lot of these things because I've had the interviews I, I've had, or I also started with a bias and found something that agreed with this. So I don't know. Um, but, but you know, what's the thing that's interesting is, is they don't see life as easy. They're, they're willing to kind of go at, you know, the adversity in life. I think so many people shy away from discomfort. They shy away from what doesn't work for them. And, you know, people that I've spoken to, people that are extraordinary, they realize that the difficulty they go through, the adversity they go through, it's almost like a, like a a blacksmith's furnace. They're going to come out different than they went in it. And they're not going to shy away from that. They're going to look for what can I get out of the situation? What's my advantage in this situation? What can I learn from it? Like, that's a really, really, really big one that I've seen in a lot of them. Um, Another one is not doing things because of the opinions of others. And, you know, I'm sure we, we've all dealt with this. I, I dealt with this when I was younger. As I said, I picked a career because I want to make my parents happy. And, you know, people that are extraordinary are willing to say, you know, this is what you want for me. This is what I want for me. This is what I'm going to do. But at the same time, they don't invalidate that opinion of someone else. Because I think a lot of times we can choose something we want to do and then we almost make other people wrong in doing it. And because of that, we create a lot of animosity for ourselves. So people that are extraordinary are kind of able to pick what they want to do, respect others' viewpoints, but not create, you know, antagonism on that, which is, which is, you know, a pretty awesome thing to do. 
you know, another really big one, frankly, is being somebody that's willing to be a leader because you meet a lot of people in life and they're not willing to, they're not willing to lead. They're not willing to go out first. They're not willing to, you know, do a lot of these different things to make the, make the world a better place for others. So it, it really, it really is something that's pretty incredible when you look at it that way. What do you, what do you, so what do you think if you were to define leadership from your perspective, what, how would you define that? It's more of the perspective, perspective of servant leadership. Like you've been talking about. Like I, I, I'm a, I'm a big, re- I read the art of war every single year. Um, cause it's one of those books that every time you read it, you get new, new insight on it. I do the same with Atlas Shrugged Cause I'm just, I'm always picking up new things and y- you would never ask someone to do something you'd never do yourself. And that's, um, David Petraeus, who, who was the former CIA director talks about, um, uh, a major general that he worked under when he first got it, you know, got out of officer's candidate school. And he said, the thing that was really interesting about this guy is he wasn't the one that was like, you know how many olives I get in my drink? He would be the guy that would take care of the bartender, take care of everybody else around him, handle people well. And when you do that, that's real leadership, right? You're making other people feel appreciated and wanted. So I, I think that's a really big difference is, is people that are willing to, you know, lead right alongside of others, if, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, totally. I you, there's a movie or a, a TV series out there now uh, about the WeWork called We Crashed. Have you seen this? I, I listened to the podcast actually, so I've heard it. Yeah, so the so they're talking about the, his wife Rebecca, and she just sucks, right? Like, and and there's a scene where like they get to like the, they're doing like we like summer camp or whatever, and it was like a big party, and they invite all their a bunch of their people from WeWork to the to this like campground their family owns, and she's. A, she comes from her, I think her dad and Gwyneth Paltrow's dad are brothers, right? So they come from this, like, you know, like this high society family out in New York. And the head of communications, I think this might be, I don't know if this actually happened, but this is at least the picture they're painting of her, right? So maybe this is just fiction, but I got to assume if I'm her, that probably did happen because she's probably going to sue them if, if it didn't happen. The, the woman who's head of comm for WeWork is driving her to go to the cabin right in the, in the, in the summer camp and she gets up and she's like just put my bags in the bedroom right now dude if the woman was a bellhop which she's not i could potentially see that as an appropriate thing to request of somebody but i remember watching it and just like rub me the wrong way and i was like fuck that chick man like <laughs> like <laughs> I, my favorite saying is fuck that guy um so yeah fuck that girl but it's man. it's interesting though because I think it's also part of the way you carry yourself. You know what I mean? Like, I open doors for other people, man. Like, yeah. if I see somebody's got their hands full, I open the door for them. You know, if I if I see somebody looks like they need help, I, hey, do you need help? Like, I've pulled over to change tires for people on the side of the road or fix a radiator cap or something like that. But like, those things are leadership, right? Those things are you know leading from from the way of somebody needs help and may need your expertise or your just free arm in that case. But that's what actual leadership is. It's not like demanding things of other people. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Like you just remind me of something. So when I was in college, I worked the door of a nightclub. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I used to, you know, have to open, I, I, we had like velvet ropes and I'd have to open the velvet ropes and let people in and let them out. And I, and I got really good at it. I could do like spin moves and do it. Right. Every time you pick the ropes up, it's like, bow, bow, bow. anyway, <laughs> I would do like, I could do like three sixties, like grab it and spin, but I, I look cool when I did it. Um, but I, but what was funny is what you just said is I actually realized how much I enjoy holding. I, I always hold the door open for people. Absolutely. Like, 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 all, like I'll, out of my own way, I'll do it right to, to your point, because I'm like, it is a show of 
like I see you and I appreciate that, you know, like I'm doing, I'm, this is a active servant that I don't need to do that I'm choosing to do because that's how I want to show up in the world. Right. You know, what's weird about that though. And, and um, like, I know like if I do that for somebody in my generation, a large percentage of people wouldn't like you doing that, which is really weird. I don't know if you've seen that, like, Oh, I can get door myself. It's like, well, I, I'm here to help. There's been the kind of this also weird viewpoint shift around it too. Is that is that ge- divided by gender or div- or just by generational? Just generational because I've seen it with with men and women. I, I've seen it either way. Um, I, it's I think it's generational. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm old school. I'd be like, Hey bud, just take, take it and shut up. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I'm, I'm super old school. My dude, my dad was born in 1939 in Iran, mm-hmm. which means is the same as like someone's parent being born in like 1889 in the United States. So like I'm as old school as they come. I mean, well, my, my grandfather was in the Navy. So I was raised like, yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, yeah, sir. No. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Like that's just how you treat people, you know? Yeah. Look, there's, there's a, I think there's a balance of all this stuff. So if you're talking about worldviews, right, there's the, I, I'm there's a there's a thing called spiral dynamics. Are you familiar with this? Not, no. Um, shoot, there's is Ken Blanchard, I think, wrote a book about it. It's called Spiral Dynamics, which essentially it breaks down all the different worldviews and 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 there's a hierarchy of worldview. And they're built specifically for essentially the ascension of man, right? So if and it goes from like there's different colors. So if you go back to like prehistoric times. There was a worldview around survival that's very different than now. And you had to behave a certain way to protect, to live, right? Mm-hmm. Well, those things are less important now. And if you go back to maybe 100 years ago or, or even 200 years ago, um, there was an autocratic worldview that served man very well because we needed strong leaders who told us what to do and that was the end of it, right? And that elevated to, they, they called a, a authoritarian worldview, which is, um, traditional or of a traditional values right so that that are the forefathers of our country the populace was very uh, uh traditional values mm-hmm. but the mindset of the leadership is, is usually one one level above ahead not above necessarily but ahead and so our forefathers were, were strategic worldview which was smartest person in the room wins right and if you look at the founding of our country it was kind of built with that ideology in mind right mm-hmm. And now we've come into, and Silicon Valley is built without, with that type of mindset. The, the, the next level up, they call it, is pop, it, which a lot of people are having issues with right now, is this worldview around, like it's a popular, uh, I'm forgetting the name of it right now, but it's, it's like essentially a populist worldview, mm-hmm. right? Which is this green worldview. And in that worldview, it is where, hey, we should all do what's best to help everybody. And Every 50 to 100 years, you need to elevate. The next step of that's integral, which is yellow. Um, and so green, they're saying that we have too much of it now, which there's a toxic green and there's a, a positive green. Toxic green is where we're starting to see people have issues around socialism and you know this thing where it's like, to your point earlier, around you know we have like 
this Andrew Yang thing, I want to give universal basic income to to people, right? There's a negative to, there's actually a negative potentially to that, you know, mm-hmm. if we, if we're not careful. Right. And so the highest level of this is, is integral, which says they're all right. And they're all appropriate in different situations. And how do you balance those things? And the issue that, you know, my mentor, Van Stegen, who was a guest on the show says, is like, listen, we have world, world three leaders and world five problems. And, and we need level, excuse me, level three uh, leaders and level five problems. And so it's like, you know, how, how are we, we need to level up as leaders and it needs to be around not people getting offended because you're holding the door. It's like understanding why you did it, right? Having mm-hmm. taken that moment of empathy to say, oh, well, Jeremy isn't doing it to like one up me or I don't know. I don't know why you would get offended by that. Me personally, maybe because my worldview is different, but yeah. But it's to appreciate why you did it. And even if I didn't want you to do it, it's just to have that empathy as to why you chose to do it. You know what I mean? No, I, I do. And and I, I think that's one of the things that's that's really weird now because you look at people that we look at as leaders, like they're leaders for being um, popular, really. Like they're not leaders for because they've done something impressive, if that makes sense. A lot of people but are like, leaders. Because- like the Kardashians? Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. But here's the, I had a conversation with somebody about this recently, right? See, here's the, here's the weird thing, right? Um, I'm going to go back to the, to the Romans and Greeks again, because I have to. Um, like if you look at them, they had this weird worldview that there was, wasn't a real separation between human and the divine. And humans walked around and the divinity walked around and there was kind of somebody could be a God. It could be possible. But you look at like the worldview we have now and we kind of see that and we're like, oh, that's not true because, you know, we're advanced in the world. We don't see that. But we've actually started to create something like that again with celebrity. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Like where like they, they they're like, oh, you're, you're kind of you, but you're not on the level of the Kardashians. But the Kardashians like probably aren't that smart and probably shouldn't have the leadership position they have. So we have this kind of weird thing where people are leaders because they're popular. You know, people get elected into office because they're popular, not because of what they might do. Like the people I would vote for would never get voted in anything. But, you know, like that's the you have to we're in this really, really weird position. And and it goes back to what you're saying. The people we're putting in positions of power or leadership or doesn't have to be government um, aren't can't solve the problems we have because they're there because they're popular. You know, it's funny is I actually think entrepreneurism answers a lot of these problems it does. because the markets don't give a fuck about how popular you are. Now there's definitely an argument there to be made of like people that are really good at social media can build a good business and they understand the game of popularity better than I do. Right. But like in general, that I think that's a really small percentage of the population that, that can exploit that. Mm-hmm. And I think business in general, the markets are efficient and they will r- rake your face across the coals if you don't provide value and do it in a smart and thoughtful way that is profitable, right? Mm-hmm. So I, but my answer to all this is I think entrepreneurism is the answer to all of it. I think that, that that's how we, I think entrepreneurs how we circumvent some of these problems because the markets don't care and they will, they will force the best to show up. What do you, what do you think about that? I'm going to go down another rabbit hole. I don't know if you want to go down. Um, because I think the thing that, that is dangerous right now, do you know what ESG is? Uh, ESG is what? Environmental, environmental social and governance scores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So companies are getting like rated on like how woke they are. So you're seeing like companies saying, I can solve this problem. And then with ESG scores, they're saying, well, you're not woke enough. Don't solve problems. So it's it's also at the same time, we're having issues in other areas. And I think that's another thing we got to worry about. So, well, so I was having a discussion with my sister about wokeness uh, because her husband, uh, my brother-in-law, 
works at like a huge uh, construction company. It's a commercial construction. They do like massive hospitals mm-hmm. there. And, and we were talking about how, because of D, was it DEI or whatever, right? Diversity and inclusion. Yes. Which, which, you know, let's forget about anyone's opinion about it. But what she was saying essentially was that there's these women who are being promoted to construction managers who are, let's say African-American. Right. And, and they're having like literally like, hey, we have to hire. This is only this when I was going to college. The affirmative action was became really popular. Yeah, and then they kind of did away with it, probably because there was like anything, the pendulum swung too far. They realized there was some you know miscalculations of what happens when you just make decisions based off of like let's call it just ethnicity and not based off of like ability mm-hmm. completely. Right, not to say they're they're separate from one another, but if I just have that one like like filter. And and I don't look at the other parts. Then there's a reason why they undid it, right? Right. Um, and, and so I said, well, you know, like I can. And so she's saying that's causing a lot of friction with you know because this is a male dominated, white male dominated industry, right? Mm-hmm. So like commercial construction, right? So right. That that is for sure dominated by men, and without question, at the upper echelons, it's white men, right? So so her answer was, hey, look, yeah, it's not fair, but in order for there to be equity here, there needs to be an overcorrection or else we're not going to get to the middle where it's supposed to be. So that, and, and I found it to be an interesting perspective. I don't necessarily agree with it, but yeah, I don't know if I agree with that either, because like, you know, like it's like, you know, Martin Luther King saying, you know, judge not by the color of skin, but by the content of their character. And, and here's the problem, man. Like I don't have a better solution of how we get there because yeah, you, can, you yeah. can look at things and say like, there's some things very wrong with how the world functions, but I don't know if that's the way we fix it either. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't have an answer for you. I thought because you're trying just... to change people's biases and how we do things and people have biases and I don't know how you change that. Well, yeah. So her argument's like, Hey, listen, well, if we just keep doing the way we've been doing it, where it's like, you're inching it, you know, we're inching it in on this unlevel playing field, then that's not going to fix it either. Mm-hmm. Is a solution that you overcompensate for it. Look, in like if you were to like write it out, probably it's somewhere in the middle, right? I'm, dude, I'm as hardcore of a moderate as you can be. And I said, yeah. you always know you're a moderate if your uh, liberal friends think you voted for Trump, and if your if your right wing friends think you're a Democrat, right? So, which which I'm I I fall square in that camp. Yeah. <laughs> right. My but I I have a client that's like, well, Darius, you know, you're you're lefty, and I'm like, I'm not lefty at all, man. I'm 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 I I go down middle of the fairway. There is some shit that I'll say that you're not going to believe me because it it actually goes against what you think of me. Um, but yeah, it, it's uh, I I think the answer to all this is empathy and and really trying to solve for an outcome and get the fucking gamesmanship out of the out of the system and. That's where I think that right now that this this corrupting power is like like even if yep. we look at what's happening you know politically in our co- country it's like dude the far left and the far right own the mic but that's 85- the problem man like if you ask most Americans they're neither but they have to pick a side because there's the only two sides to pick well yeah and so then you think about it and you're like all right well here's the issue is that I always say this in business I coach CEOs all over the country and I tell them look incentivize the behavior you want Right. Mm -hmm. So we have a primary system that incentivizes, you know, non-moderate positions, because if I want to win the primaries, I have to have a more, you know, polarizing point of view. Mm -hmm. And and so it actually incentivizes polarizing like politics. Right. 
When the reality is most people don't agree with that. They agree yeah. they're somewhere in the middle, lean left, lean right, but they're they're not these these fringe, you know, they're not Occupy Wall Street and they're not, you know, Antifa, you know. Yeah, they're like not- I like myself, I I tend to think I'm pretty conservative, but I can't listen to conservative talk radio because I'm like, dude, you're crazy. Like what the hell? Like yeah. they're too far right for me. So it's like it it's, can be difficult like to see like, well, what do I identify on? And there's like, there's two things on this I'm thinking, Darius. Like, have you heard of the the concept of an Overton window? Yeah, I've heard of it. Remind me what it is. So you give two extremes so that people pick something in the middle because it's shown by itself. It's still pretty extreme, but shown against the two extremes, it's not as extreme. And it's kind of the concept we keep living with because we're continually forced to pick a side and we're like, oh, we try to fall somewhere in the middle, but it's still extreme as it would have been. Does that make sense? I know it's kind of a... Uh, Slightly. So let's use like real world examples. Yeah. Um, so like, um, one side says, uh, death penalty is good. The other side says death penalty is bad. Um, so then you pick something that says, well, we only kill people if they're below age, blah, blah, blah. Well, because it's not totally death penalty all the time. So we still pick something that's kind of like, Ooh, I don't know if I would do that if, if shown on its own, but it's the Overton window makes you kind of inch towards something you might not pick otherwise. So, so both people were pissed basically. Yeah, both people are pissed, so they kind of pick something else that they don't quite agree with, but it's not the other thing, so it's okay. And and are we saying that that is a better solution, or that's what we're living right now? That's what we're living right now, because we're forced to pick something that, if shown by itself, wouldn't be a solution we would pick. But so, we're given so, we're given two bad choices, and we're picked we're we're forced to pick something that isn't a great choice. But I think we can all agree that Ted Cruz sucks. I, I don't disagree. He's 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 <laughs> the guy is the guy is like. Fake as fake goes. You know what I mean? I like picking on Ted Cruz. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> listen, regardless of what side of the fence you're on, Ted Cruz is still um, <laughs> But there's one more thing I want to say to that, too. Um, because the, George Washington, um, there was, um, he told us not to pick political parties because he said it would damage the country. He said, you know, we shouldn't have political parties. We should just be people running for office. And it should be more like he wanted political office to be like jury duty. And if it was more like jury duty, I think we'd have less problems. But anyway, that's that's yeah, what I got. Yeah, I I think you have rank, I think rank choice voting would, would 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 help solve this problem, right? Because I don't know how you feel about that, but if if because it, it eliminates the issue in the primaries, right? If you have rank choice, like hey, like, I didn't get who I wanted, but the number two guy or girl, they're they ha- now still have a chance, right? Um, and and I think that you, you got to pull out corporate corporations being able to to pay off politicians man this is fucking crazy you get rid of lobbying you fixed a lot of things yeah yeah you know it's like i came from an industry that was highly lobbied and and it actually i saw the positives of it because in more complicated industries like i came from mortgage lending where mm-hmm. a lot there's just it's complicated they, like government's complicated it mm-hmm. and now and they'll and they'll go and try to make changes and you're like, whoa, 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 dude, if you do that, you're going to blow up the entire housing market like in a really bad way. It's going to screw like every American. Mm-hmm. And, and the senators don't know. You know, these are dude, they know jack shit about how mortgage industry works. Right? They're just good at winning elections. So they're there. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Which, which, which. So, so I do think that there's some value because you do need to. That's been corrupted, too. Right. To, mm-hmm. So, so I, I don't have a perfect answer, but I do think that. Like we need to incentivize the outcomes we want, right? So I do think that people being able to like, we, there's no reason that our entire you know Senate needs to the average age of the Senate is what like 71 years old or something like that. Like, yeah, that's insanity. You know, 
Like, well, the Senate be- doesn't even serve a purpose anymore, though, either, because like constitutionally, the Senate senators used to be appointed by the state legislatures and the Senate senators would promote the state legislatures and the, the House of Representatives would promote the regular people. Right. Now it's just like, ah, everybody's regular people like we've we've constitutionally become a democracy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's and 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 they're not they're trying to get stuff done. They're there to try to hold down the party lines, right? Yeah, and, and it's like, well, no, like that, like literally, like that's not like when's the last time? Like I, my belief is there should be a certain amount of of legislation that has to be bipartisan, or else they lose their jobs. Yeah, right? like again, this incentivizes the behavior. One, hey, seventy five percent of your of your um what you vote on needs to be bipartisan and agreed upon or else literally you all lose your jobs next term like if you do something like that it's going to force them their hand to go and, and actually get something done I, I had a guy on my show as a friend of mine he said one of the big issues and you know i pick extreme answers but that probably yeah. would help it if you said hey there's term limits and if you don't have you know vote, if you vote only on party lines every time like you're out this will force them, and if and if they all know they're out, because again, power corrupts. They want power. They're gonna be like, oh man, how do I go work with that person? Because we're all gonna lose our jobs if we don't work together, right? Well, the the only the only thing that George Washington recommended for the Bill of Rights um, was an was an amendment that didn't make it, and it would have capped congressional representation at one person for every thirty thousand people. Um, and what would mean is we'd have about seven thousand senators right now, um, which would be a really good thing because. Tell you right now, seven thousand people can agree on a lot less than four hundred ninety-five. Um, but right yeah. now, they're representing one for every seven hundred thousand. So it's a it's a funky situation. That would, that would be a really big room. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> They'd be on Zoom, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who's yeah, got the right. mic open? <laughs> they have like the Tony Robbins like three sixty video behind them. You know. Um, <laughs> well, man, um, dude, I we ran over. I, I figured we'd be. Uh, it's fun going down rabbit holes with you. Uh, that we, yeah, we, man. We have a lot of fun. Um, and so the problem is you go down a rabbit hole and I chase you and that's the problem. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> but, but I think the listeners have a much better view viewpoint of like how you think of things, which which really takes us to your book. So so let's spend a couple minutes on your book. The book's coming out June 21st. Mm-hmm. Um, really, it's it's all about the learnings from all these amazing people you've interviewed. Anything else a reader, like who's the reader for? What, who's the ideal audience for this? And, and where can they find the book? Well, I, I think that the concept behind it is we're all essentially born unremarkable. Um, and it's the things that we do that make us extraordinary. You know, there, there's people that are born with more, there's people that are born with less, but that doesn't make them extraordinary because I've met some people that were born into money that lost it very quickly and weren't very nice people. We're all essentially unremarkable. It's the things we do that are extraordinary. And the concepts that I've learned from, you know, almost a thousand interviews, these are things every single person can apply to find what their extraordinary is because it's different for everybody. And you are the person that defines that for yourself. So if they head over to getextraordinarybook.com uh, and you can actually pre-order it now. Um, and if you come back with your receipt or your order number, we're actually going to give you a free version of the audiobook and also uh, our guide 30 days to extraordinary. So that's over at getextraordinarybook.com. Awesome, man. And um, you don't know this, but um, I always like to support book launches. So I'm going to buy 10 copies of your book. Damn. Thanks, so, man. So that's the, yeah, I'll, I'll make sure my team uh, does that. Uh, guys, you heard it here. Um, go check out, um, my main man, Jeremy Slate's book, Unremarkable to Extraordinary. Um, you can pre-order it now and get all those freebies. And uh, anything else uh, Anything else you'd like to promote or any, anywhere else people can find you? You know, I'm, I'm at Jeremy Ryan Slate everywhere, man. So I, I use my middle name because my parents named me act, after an actor. So I was doomed uh, to not be found in Google. So I'm Jeremy Ryan Slate everywhere. All right, you guys. Um, go check out Jeremy Ryan Slate. Check out his book, Unremarkable. 
to Extraordinary. And obviously, go check out the Create Your Own Life podcast. Uh, great podcast. There's a great episode from uh, fall of 2020 with myself. <laughs> and uh, we'll put that in the show notes. But yeah, you got a ton of great guests and, uh, and you're, you're a great interviewer. So man, Jeremy, it's so, so good having you on the show, brother. I appreciate you being here. Hey, thank you so much for having me, man. All right, guys. Peace out. See you later. Love you. Bye, guys. You are listening to The Greatness Machine, and that's a wrap for today. Listen, if you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform that you're tuning in on so that you don't miss any of our future episodes. We have tons of great people coming on, and we're, we're stoked to have you here to enjoy it with us. Leave us a review. Tell us what you love most about this particular episode. We love getting the reviews. We love to see what you guys love most. And if this particular episode you know, made you think of someone who's leveling up in their business and in their life, print screen, share it with them. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we're all here to support and grow with each other. And in case you want to see some of the fun behind the scenes shots or some of the things that we're doing, I'm actually writing about this in my weekly newsletter. Go to www.therealdarius.com and subscribe to my newsletter. We're talking about fun things like business and life and mindfulness and cryptocurrencies and gosh, I don't even know everything and anything, but it's tons of fun stuff I write about. I try to get it out on a weekly basis. You can subscribe at www.therealdarius.com. And with that said, look, thank you guys so much. Appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We're out of here. See you guys on the next one. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the Podcast Princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you wanna learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam, on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.